and I kind of see earth as a garden uh, and we are living in that garden and just like the millions of cells in my body they work individually but they work together we're also one with the earth we have a function uh, we're caretakers of the earth we're the only species that can move around and spread seeds and bring health to this planet you are listening to veggie doctor radio and this is episode number 152 Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Welcome, welcome veggie lovers. I hope that you are having a very plantastic day today. Well, in just a few days, we will be celebrating Earth Day. I love Earth Day for many reasons, one of which it is the anniversary of my practice, Nourish Wellness. I physically opened my practice on Earth Day five years ago, so super exciting but also because I love using the month of April to talk about topics on sustainability, waste reduction, minimalism, all of the things that we can do to help our earth live and thrive longer. So I'm very excited to bring you this interview with a very special lady, Manju Kumar. She is the president of Brush With Bamboo, a sustainable oral care brand, and she is also the co-founder of the Sarvodaya Institute, a nonprofit dedicated to connecting people to soil, plants, and gardens. Over the past 10 years, her family company, Brush With Bamboo, has developed the leading brand of sustainable toothbrushes. Most recently, they launched the first toothbrushes ever producing produced using USDA certified 100% bio-based bristles. So cool. As a farmer with 30 years of experience, Manju has developed numerous organic gardens and farms in Southern California. Hundreds of students have passed through her farm apprenticeship program, and she continues to consult for farms, businesses, and NGOs worldwide. And she just has some really amazing, wise things to say on this episode. I know that it's going to uplift you and it's just going to give you that really good, warm, glow, positive feeling within you. And she really keeps things really simple for you. We talk about how she became a farmer, why she's passionate about it. We talk about zero waste. What does it mean? What's achievable? What's realistic? We talk about how we can start reducing waste in our lives. She gives 
three things that you can start doing to reduce waste in your home. And she also gives us places to start for those of us that have never grown anything ourselves. She gives us three things that we can start with step-by-step so that we can learn how to grow plants. We also talk about some of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're growing their own food and what you can start doing if you just simply can't grow your own food yet. We also talk about what her wildest dream would be for the world and it's just so beautiful as far as what she wishes most people knew as well. It's just such such a beautiful vision of the world and I know that someday we will get there. So I know you're going to love this episode. Happy Earth Day. Next Sunday, I will also have a special guest, an eco dietitian, talking about what that is and more tips for sustainability, particularly when it comes to our food. So veggie lovers, thank you so much for joining us today. And let's give a warm welcome to Manju Kumar. Manju Kumar, thank you so much for joining me on Veggie Doctor Radio. It's such a pleasure. I am excited to be here today. Well, I'm super excited about this too, because like I was saying before we started recording, I haven't actually had a food grower, a farmer on my podcast before. So I think there's a lot that we can learn from you. So let's start at the beginning. How did you become a farmer and why are you so passionate about it? I can't really answer that, um, except I think the passion was inside me already. So I come from two farming families. My grandfathers on both my mom's side and my dad's sides have always been farmers. And I mean like landlord type farmers. My parents were farmers. And, um, you know, there's four siblings, and out of the four siblings, only um, me. I'm, like, the one that just was infected, like, in a big way. Um, So I think um, I want to say maybe, you know, it was an inner calling that I listened to and uh, developed. And then the closer and closer that I worked with the land and the soil... I feel like I started to hear her wisdom and uh, she started to guide me. And um, so my passion just grew and grew from that to where, you know, every year I learn something new. So there's Mm -hmm. like an epiphany moment that happens almost on a weekly basis where, you know, you learn that, you know, who you are really like, you know, we always question who we are and where we come from. And uh, the closer you are with the land, the soil, the plants, uh, the more you get to know who you are and where you belong and what your part is. Wow, that's so beautiful. So deep and philosophical. I love that. Well, tell me about your childhood. Did you, whenever you were a little kid, did you grow up helping in the farm? And, you know, it was all around you with your grandparents and your parents. How how was it when you were a kid? So, you know, I grew up in India uh, until I was 11. And I, and I knew my grandparents had farms, but I never really went to any of them. Um, I just went, I think, right before I left India. You know, I went and, 
and visited um, my grandfather's farm on my dad's side. And I loved it. You know, it was awesome. And then when I came here, my parents, you know, they always, whenever whenever they had land in the back of their, you know, their house, they always farmed. And um, I don't know why, but, you know, like my parents were chemical farmers. They believed in the Green Revolution and, you know, using pesticides. But for somehow, I always felt that the closer we are to eating food in its natural form, in the form that Earth delivers it to us, I just always felt that that was better for us. And I think slowly and slowly over time, that's what we've come to realize. You know, that's what everybody is now aware of. And that's what's proven and that we need to eat real food. You know, not that's adulterated or boxed or packaged or, you know, fresh and and local and in the season. So um, when I first got married and I moved to my house um I don't know I started to do things that that um just came to me you know like uh like I would gather leaves and you know I would uh, I would not throw away my green waste and it was way before I actually learned why it was good for good for us but I think you know just seeing I think probably seeing my parents garden probably influenced me the most and just having a piece of land or that I could care for it really kind of triggered my journey into you know living more sustainably whenever you had your first house and you did your first garden did you feel pretty confident about it and how to do it or were there a lot of bloopers and did you make a lot of mistakes at the beginning absolutely I had no idea what I was doing. We did, we did things all the time, made a, you know, a lot of mistakes and, and learned from the mistakes and, and from observing. I would say more than anything, learning by observing, you know, what worked, what didn't work. And of course, you know, the internet and the webs, you know, the web is like a huge source of mm-hmm. um, knowing. But I would say... The person that totally catapulted me into where I am right now or got me, you know, like planted that seed in me. Um, I met her by chance. Uh, I've always loved to go to gardens. And so um, there was a opening for a free entry to go help out at a a garden here in L.A., Um, and uh, I didn't know. I just wanted to go to the garden for free entry and and I ended up learning about permaculture and I was blown away that, you know, healing or gardening could be so simple, you know, that it wasn't as laborious as, you know, the double digging method and the traditional methods of uh, growing food that, you know, we were taught by Western, I think the book is what Western gardens or, or whatever, like that whole you know, Western philosophy of growing things, that it didn't need to be that way. It didn't need to be that difficult. It could be a lot easier. And so, um, yeah, the, had a lot of, lot of bloopers and, and learned through that. Wow. So even from the beginning, you started realizing that 
I don't necessarily have to do this the way that everybody else is doing. There's a different way, there's an alternative path. And in some ways it may be easier and it may be better overall. Yes. The one thing that I really believe in is when you hear the truth, you know it. Mm. And that's what happened with me. So, you know, I was doing all these other alternative ways of growing food. But then when I found this, I knew like this was it. And I was super excited about it. Um, So, yeah, inertly, I think when we hear the truth, we know it. That's awesome. Can you explain what permaculture means? So permaculture is actually a very ancient way of growing food. It's existed, you know, pre-industrial farming. Um, It's also called Vedic farming. Uh, It's also called, I think, natural farming, no-dig farming, no-till farming. And basically what it does is it understands that the soil is a living thing it's like it's the womb it's a womb of the earth and when you care for the soil what you do is you increase the life in the soil the soil is full of life there is tiny microbial you know types of life like there's mycelium and fungi and bacteria there's just all kinds of microbial life that we don't see but it exists and it only exists in soils that are living and the soil only comes alive when it's covered and it's fed so Mm -hmm. if you go into a forest you'll see that the soil is always covered Mm -hmm. the leaves are always falling the seeds are always falling and nature is always planting seeds And it's not tilling. It's just putting layers and layers of food on itself. So the the tree itself, I'm just going to take a little story, which I like to tell everybody. If you look at just the tree itself, it's a very circular system. It captures the sunlight, turns it into energy through its leaves. It also, through its root system, picks up nutrients that are in the ground. And again, it deposits all these nutrients in the leaves, and then the leaves fall, and they feed the soil, and they break down, and they feed the microbial life in the soil. And then that microbial life helps the tree again. It's like the gut system. You know, we have a gut system with thousands of microbes. We're always talking about the microbiome nowadays. Well, the soil is also a microbiome for like the plants. And so the this life then helps uptake the nutrients back into the plant. So you have nutrient dense food. So if we were to cultivate and, and practice a method of growing food that is closer to what nature or what earth already does, we get better food. You know, we increase diversity. Uh, we increase health. And that's what, what we're, you know, what I'm trying to share with the way that I live is, you know, um, I realize that the cities are always going to be around so why not 
reforest the cities. Why not grow as many trees as possible, as many, you know, perennial plants as possible, and, you know, re-green the whole thing. Like, let's, let's create lungs of the planet everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not that difficult to plant trees. And trees are per- fairly hardy, you know, depending on where you live, there are trees that are acclimated to that area, and you can go ahead and choose to, you know, plant those trees and, and be a part of the regreening of, of this planet. Yes. Oh, I love that you shared that. And I love how you even went there where my mind was going, which is how similar it is to the gut and how important we've placed all of these bugs that we have inside us that outnumber us by a factor of 10, how important they are. And we're realizing the importance about how we need to feed them and help them thrive. But what you're saying is the soil where we're eating our food is the same way. Like it's a living thing. It's not, dirt isn't dead. Dirt has an entire community of millions and bazillions of different organisms in it that helps give our food the nutrients that we want that is good for our bodies. And then it, it just completes this whole circle of life. It really is. It's just like this huge philosophical thing, is it? It's just like so beautiful. Wow. It just like kind of blew my mind there just a little bit when you think about it that way. But no, that's so important. If you think about it, like what you just said, it's the life that's above the soil that supports the life below the soil. But the life below the soil does the same thing for the life above the soil. So it's like the circular system and we cannot neglect or dishonor either one of those. Like we have to respect this circularity and know that, you know, we're, we're united together. Together is how you know, we create this circle of life and health. So we're both important, the life below and the life above. We support each other. So amazing. Okay, it made me think of something really a little bit different, okay? You may have heard of this before, but I just wanna throw it out. See if you've heard of this. It's a little bit apart from farming. But since the pandemic, I've Mm -hmm. been working on my my will and just my wishes, you know, just because it makes you think about mortality and death and all of this. And as I was like trying to decide, okay, well, how do I want to my body to be taken care of as I die and looking into all these things, you can now compost yourself after you die. Have you heard of this? I have. I've heard of it. And so I live in Washington state and they have a this human body composting center in Seattle. And I know that they have different, I'm sure that they have them in California, but I mean, it's kind of cool in 30 days, you can go from like being a human body to being dirt. Kind of amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> well, you know, somehow we, we forget that we are made of earth, right? Yes. Like uh, they say the earth is five elements. And if we look inside us, like that's what we are. And I like to think of us Really, we are children of the earth because if you look at it, we are made of the elements of the earth. When we are in this body, we require the elements of the earth to be healthy. And then when we leave, we return back. And then when we return back, we actually rejuvenate, you know, when when we're composted. Like the best way to return because now you are providing resources for the next generation to thrive. So 
I think it's great that that they have this. It's lovely. Yeah, well, me too. I think that's probably, and it's cheaper than all the other options and it's more sustainable, which takes me to the other question is, zero waste what does it mean to you what does it mean overall and what does it mean to you and why should we even care about this you know zero waste when we first thought about the idea of zero waste it means you know like not creating any waste that cannot be returned to the earth that cannot be composted right but in our culture the way we live uh, the only people that i think could be truly 100 percent zero waste would be indigenous tribes that live in the forest and don't use any modern contraptions right mm-hmm. that's the only way to be 100 percent zero waste and here in in our in our modern civilization i think it's very different for all of us based on where we are in what part of the country or what part of the world we are even what part of the country we are and what's available to us so you know there's many countries that are able to be a lot more zero waste than we are because they haven't fully you know like packaged everything and you know like they still do a lot more local local um growing and and trading you know um so i think it's different for all of us and i think that um we cannot stress about what we cannot do so I think it needs to be you know a more it's like use somebody else for inspiration maybe you thought of something that somebody else hasn't thought of um, but then also use use your own imagination and you know look around you see what's your what's available for you you might be able to do more than than other people um, and of course you know it's I think in the end, we, we need to um, look at our surroundings and see what's possible as far as reducing waste. So and mm-hmm. and, you know, using things that will be able to like easily return to Earth and mm-hmm. become dirt. Yes. Soil. And I, <laughs> I agree with that, too, that like most of us in the modern world, it, there's not going to be any perfection in this area. You know, there's some things that are beyond our control and everything is packaged. I mean, now they're putting individual like wrapped bananas in plastic and stuff like that. So, you know, there's a lot of things that might be beyond our control. But since you've been doing this for several years, is there a place, some tips that you have for people that are starting out trying to at least reduce the amount of plastic or waste in their life? What is the so-called low-hanging fruit in this area that you can offer my audience? Well, some of the, the some some of the things that I started off with, and it wasn't even when the zero waste movement started. It was like way before, and it was also because it economically made sense. Is like mm-hmm. to give up things like paper towels and paper napkins, and you know use cloth cloth napkins, you know um, cloth rags. Also, you know, like just to take your waste. And uh, if you happen to have a yard, even if you don't know how to compost, you can just literally like dig a hole um, in in the back of your yard and, and just put it in there. And uh, lately, you know, I've gotten uh, I've gotten like this composting bin, you know, that just sits there. It's like a just a it's it's literally like this would be like a like a bucket where its bottom is open and I ha- I put a lid on top and I, I just literally throw things 
in there. And because it's open on the bottom, uh, the microbes and the worms and everything are constantly breaking it down. So I'm returning, you know, my resources back to land. So if you have even a little bit of space and and any kind of like bare soil, uh, it's very easy to return, you know, the green waste back back to the soil, you know, and not have it carried away. So like those are some some of the basics that I that I started with, um, trying to think. And then cooking as much as you could possibly, you know, cook. It's better to cook simple meals um, than to, you know, to go out and buy in packaging and being okay with washing dishes. Just like really simple stuff is like the, the low-hanging fruit. Which... Yes. And I, and I think the most important concept is that it's all about habits, right? Like we used to buy paper towels and it was just like a habit. Like you just buy paper towels, you just have paper towels, you use paper towels. And then one day the paper towel ran out and I didn't have any more. And I'm just like, you know, this is probably a good time to switch. <laughs> so I just did it right then. I already had a few like hand towels we could use and I ordered a few more and it literally was a habit we changed overnight and nobody complained. It was like the weirdest thing. It's like, I thought it was gonna be so hard, but it ends up being part of our routine and everybody values it. And so sometimes it's just a habit. Like you don't, you think in your brain, it's gonna be like this really hard switch, but it may not be as hard as you think. One thing that I also started, I haven't been brave enough to compost myself because the first time I tried it, it was a disaster. I did everything wrong and I created all kinds of bug problems. But my city has a composting service and so they come and they pick up my scraps and they have a farm and so they feed it some to the pigs and some they um, they compost themselves and so until the you know the spring starts and we try again i want to try again to do my own compost pile but this time i'm going to make sure i have the right information so i can do it right but yeah i think it's just one of those things it's just like you have to be willing to try new things right but um bugs are a part of life so i think one of the things that we have to be okay with is bugs there is nothing no species that exists right now is a mistake um, they all have a role and most bugs are decomposers so um, there is one method of composting where you have very few bugs and that's called hot composting and that's just basically you know you don't need any kind of a bin for it or anything like that you need a pitchfork and you're basically layering green and brown materials kind of like a lasagna so you'll make a little hill like this, and it'll be nitrogen, carbon, nitrogen, carbon. Your nitrogen is all of your wet stuff, you know, uh, green stuff, high in nitrogen, which is like veggie peels and coffee grounds. And you can, it's, this information is available online. And then the brown stuff will be things like leaves and wood chips, you know, they're brown looking materials except for, you know, the coffee. And you just layer it up, and the last layer is what you do. You cover the green material. It's the green material that attracts a lot of bugs. And you cover it, and what happens, it, it starts to cook. And then what you do is you turn it as often as you can. The more, more often you turn it, the faster it breaks down. But the hot composting method has less bugs. Any other method, you will get bugs. And you can also just bury, like I said, just 
just literally dig a hole somewhere, throw in all of your green waste, cover it with dirt, then again throw in green waste, cover it with dirt, and just fill it up like that. And that has less bugs. But bugs have a purpose. (laughs) And now for a very important message. Hey, veggie lover, if you are looking for free resources to guide you on your plant-based and healthy living journey, go to dryami.com forward slash free for tons of free downloadable PDFs. Hundreds of people have taken advantage of my tips to help them reduce meat and dairy consumption, navigate eating out, and build satisfying plant-based meals. Download one or download them all. And don't forget to share with friends and family dryami.com forward slash free. And now back to the episode. Yes, I, I totally get it. And I'm vegan. But the thing is, I had it right next to my bedroom. That's yeah, probably not the right place. I did it wrong because I put it in a I put it like in this container. And so it didn't and I was trying to do the hot composting thing. But it was like right next to my bedroom. And then you know what came is those earwigs. Okay, so those ear, oh my God, the earwigs. Oh, there were so many inside my bedroom. Oh no. They were everywhere. They were in my shower. Oh my God. They were oh everywhere. So I, I I definitely messed up. I, I love the little bugs. I just don't want them all in, your, in my I room. There. So I have nightmares of like <laughs> earwigs in going ear. in my ear at night. <laughs> so, Otherwise, I will save them, but there was just too many yeah. earwigs. Don't definitely put it, it near cool. your bedroom. It wasn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, I made lots of mistakes, but now I, I'm going to try the, a different method. I think it'll be more successful this awesome, time. Awesome. Okay, well, let's change gears again and talk about growing our food because there's a lot of people that have never, ever, ever grown their right. food. And you're so experienced. You can grow all kinds of stuff, but there's somebody, there's people out there that have never tried anything. So what tips do you have for someone who's never grown their food and feels like so intimidated? Where can they start? Are there any easy places to start? There are. You know, um, a lot of us, uh, when we start, um, it's overwhelming and because we end up starting with vegetables. So the vegetables are like the mm. most, they're like the princess and the pea story. They're, they're like the most challenging Um you don't want to start there. You're better off starting with things that are more hardy, like herbs. You know, herbs are, are hardier and they're easier to grow. So you can do things, you know, herbs that you like to eat. Uh, could be rosemary, could be thyme, could be oregano, could be basil. It can start off with herbs. And the second thing that I recommend is you start off with trees. And even, even if you only have a patio, you can grow trees in fabric pots. They come in all sizes. So you can even do a 30-gallon pot. And, you know, there's a lots of trees that you can grow in pots. And they're much easier to grow. They'll give you a lot more confidence. And then you, you can, you know, as you start to understand how to take care of it, you know, of plants, you'll get more confident, you'll get more experienced. And then I would say, you know, move to, you know, things like growing salad and growing uh, kale and Swiss chard, uh, perennial vegetables, perennial, perennial vegetables are easier to grow. You've got garlic chives, you've got onion chives, 
you know, there's just a, a lot of perennial vegetables that are really easy to grow and it'll give you the confidence, you know, and get to know, you know, the the plant's nature. So those are easier, easy ways for me. Nowadays, that's what I'm recommending is like, don't start with, you know, like vegetables because <laughs> then you'll get discouraged. Oh, you know, like they're just, they're just too much of a princess and it, yeah. it can be hard on you when when you know it gets attacked by bugs and then you're distressed and so start with herbs start with trees (laughs) i love it that's that's really good tips and i've never tried to do this before but i know that with herbs you can also start like on your windowsill and things like that like is it something that you can just start in a small pot as long as you have access to light somewhere through a window you can start. There's a there's a lot of um, herbs that are. Uh, all plants have different requirements because they've grown up in different types of conditions. Some can tolerate a lot of sun. Sometimes you know some not so much. So some tolerate a, you know a lot of water. Some not. So you've got drought tolerant plants. You've got plants that love water. So you have to look at your place. You have to look at you know the soil condition. You have to look at like what. What is the, you know, weather like in my area? You know, I live in Diamond Bar and our farm uh, is in Pomona. And so even though we're only 10 minutes away, I'm on a higher altitude and it's a little bit warmer and have a different microclimate. So I'm able to grow things like mangoes and lychees and guavas and papayas and bananas, you know, and I can't grow any of those things 10, 15 minutes away on, you know, on the farm. Wow. But at the farm, I can grow things that like cold weather because it gets cooler over there. So I can grow stone fruit. You know, I can grow mulberries, I can grow figs. So it's like you have to kind of see, you know, what is the nature of the plant? What, you know, where am I living? How cold does it get here? Is it a desert that you're living in? Or are you living, you know, in a very rainy part of uh, of the world? So you have to choose your plants according to where you live and then you'll have more success. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so wise. And I'm jealous that you can grow mango in your <laughs> backyard. Know. I'm originally from Panama. So, oh my God gosh and i live in a desert so there's not going to be any mango growing so i live in central washington it's a small town called yakima which is a heavy agricultural area but apples and cherries and peaches and blueberries those kinds of things so a lot of things do grow here because we have so much sun but of course it, we have to bring in the water we got to bring in lots and right. lots of water to do that you know but it's very interesting What do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when they are starting to grow their own food? I know you've kind of covered some of it, but. So the biggest mistake is that people forget that they are very much like plants. So plants have the same requirements that us. A lot of times we'll buy a plant and we'll put it out there and maybe we'll water it. We don't think about feeding it. Uh, We think that it'll survive on its own and it's not that case. So they're just like us. They need, you know, food on a regular basis, depending on their nature. They need water. They need sunlight and they even need companionship. I was just listening to a TED talk recently where it's been proven that you know trees communicate with each other and and that even trees they take care of each other so let's say there's a bunch of trees in you know in the forest and 
and maybe one tree is not getting enough you know nutrition the other trees will will help out you know so the they have an, an energy exchange going on over there so plants need companionship and and that's why there's this whole thing about companion plants as well but they're very much like us so think about fertilizer as food you know when you get a plant it's just like getting a dog or a cat it's a living species it's a living thing so think about you know how how it needs to be you know how, what what kind of water needs it has what kind of food needs it has you know and then you'll have more success if you put it on like a regular diet just like you know you do for yourself mm-hmm. i think that's the biggest i, I think that. that's the biggest thing is understand that they have needs just like us and give them that support yes. and i think i when i was younger i used to kind of be like most people and that you buy a plant you water every once in a while and like oh it'll be okay you know and then but they always die and you know of course (laughs) there's no surprise there but now that i've learned a little bit more i have some house plants i started growing this last year and i named them i name all of them and i talk to them and they're doing much better now that I actually regularly water them and make sure they have sunlight. Yes. <laughs> so, wow, it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? <laughs> that's true, that's true. It makes a huge so, difference. So I think, you know, and, and it is, I think we do assume that plants can take care of themselves because we see so many plants that are kind of taking care of themselves, right? There's weeds and things that grow even when we don't want them to grow. But if you want to help a plant thrive, you do have to pay attention to its yes, needs. Yes, so. yeah. Uh, weeds just have a different constitution, you know? They are hardier and require less care, but uh, our cultivated mm-hmm. plants need a lot more care. Yes, yes. Great tips. So there's some people that just aren't ready or aren't able to grow their own food right now. What are the, some of the things that they can do to increase sustainability and decrease food waste in particular? I think, you know, shop shop at your farmer's market if you have farmer's market. Uh, the other thing, you know, because um, I, I, some people don't have land and that's that's an issue. I think if you don't have land, but you have the interest and the time, then, you know, get together with a friend that or a neighbor that maybe has. Because a lot of times, you know, like from, for me, for instance, you know, I have a yard and I could use some help. You know, sometimes it's overwhelming to take care of. Like I have 80 fruit trees here and even, even wow. picking the fruit and taking care of all the plants can be challenging so you can always find I think a partnership with somebody to be able to grow things and it's very very therapeutic to be doing doing that like uh, it's very therapeutic to be in the garden so um, yeah just um, as far as food waste um, as long as you're composting I don't consider it food waste but yeah there's the whole you know don't shop when you're hungry and you know the normal the normal things but I would say the biggest things is if you can you know uh, partner up with a farmer and help them out because good farmers are are really hard to come by and they really need your support because farming is a is a very hard profession you know you're at the mercy of the elements Uh, a lot of the time and so it's good to support them so that they can you know have a viable 
business and be eager to do more of it. So support the local food movement as much as you can and compost as much as you can. Yes. Yeah, I love that because a lot of places have these garden co-ops and community gardens and things like that where you can have a plot or you can help other people and you kind of sign up and take turns taking care of it and tending to it. I think that's all really great. And yeah, I mean, I think I, I forgot about just even reaching out to local farmers and asking what help they need or if, you know, I I will always volunteer though to eat the food. So <laughs> that I can sign up for right away. Um, so if you, if you have extra mangoes, you want me to come pick them and eat them, I can do that for sure. <laughs> but no, I think that th those are all great ideas because the more we support them, the more viable their businesses are, they can stay around longer, have more access to organic produce and delicious seasonal produce. So those are all great tips. And there's one more idea that I want to put out there. Um, you know, I live in the suburbs and there's a lot of people that live in suburbs and they have a lot of land, but we really haven't thought about like just creating a community garden in our own, you know, on our own street. Mm -hmm. In Indonesia, in Bali, you know, uh, even within cities, they have created villages so people within the neighborhood get together and uh, they, you know, they promote the arts. They do like a lot of their religious ceremonies together and, and it, it's like a little bit more communal feeling. And um, we don't have that here in the U.S. And I would just like to see neighborhoods become a little bit tighter, you know, like get to know each other a little bit more and maybe even plant two or three trees in the front yard where you say hey these trees are out there help yourself whatever you need and you can yes. you can actually organize to where you can say okay I'll grow lemons and you know oranges and maybe you can grow apples and maybe you can grow you know papayas but you kind of are jointly growing in your front yards for each other because you can't you know when a tree is loaded with oranges you're not going to eat them all and so if you had them in the front yard, like it would be easy for you to share if, if you are in unison and you come together and you do it, you know, as a community, like it'll it'll just make a tighter community. And I think, you know, reduce so much of carbon footprint, uh, not having to go to the market, yes. you know, you could just walk down the street and, you know, pick some lemons off of somebody's house or or get some oranges from, you know, another place. And now for a very important message. Hey mama, if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, 
lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters, overeating and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater, and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now back to the episode. I, I would like to see that happen within neighborhoods. It's just an idea yeah. throwing and out that, there. <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah, there's so many reasons why that would be beneficial. I'm really passionate about lifestyle medicine and well-being and longevity and living long, healthy, happy lives. And there is some research to show that people that tend to be closer to their neighbors are happier and live longer lives, you know? And so I, I think whenever we think about things like the blue zones and connectedness and trying to come together, there's so many reasons why that's beneficial. Like you're proposing, it's gonna be great for our carbon footprint. It's gonna be great for just, I could just imagine kids walking down the street and seeing the fruit trees and they're like, hey, I'm hungry. I'm gonna get an orange rather than coming and opening my Cheetos. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many reasons why that would be amazing. It just sounds so wonderful. I would love also to see something like that happen. I think the first step is each one of us having the desire and start talking to our neighbors and be like, what can we do together? Do we want to, to start this trend? Do we wanna start a movement to help make neighbors and neighborhoods closer and grow food together. Yes. So beautiful. Well, that brings me to a question that I wanted to ask you anyway, which is what would be your wildest dream come true for our world? Um, that we return more to, you know, an indigenous village like community, like that would be my wish uh, not to be so industrial and not to be so separated. Um, and then to focus, you know, on what is really going to make you happy, you know, I think part of the problem right now is, especially, you know, with the, what we call the civilized world, is uh, we have this greed and need to accumulate much more, you know, like than we need. So we're constantly pursuing money. I mean, like, how much money can a person like Bill Gates use in one lifetime? Like, what is the point of having that as a role model of, for living, you know, like you want somebody that's more balanced. So I, mean, I think that if we can return to a more communal and a more village and a, and a basically, you know, to see earth as mother, there was nothing wrong with the indigenous people worshiping earth and worshiping trees and worshiping the sun. I mean, these are all life-giving parts of our existence. You know, mm -hmm. this is what yes. keeps us alive. So why not worship them? Why not honor them? Why not respect them? And why not live in respect, you know, with each other? So that would be my ideal. Yes. <laughs> 
Yes, oh, I love it. It's beautiful. And you're right. We have lost a lot of respect for the earth. Yes. We have seen the earth as some, something that we can just use for our own benefit without thinking of how to give back or how to take care of her, how to preserve her so that she can continue to give to further generations. And I think, you know, there's some good and bad with it, right? I mean, as a society, we've made so many strides. I mean, just look at what we can do, the technology we have, the ability we have to keep people alive that would have died hundreds of years ago. So I think that word that you said, balance, is one of the most important is, yes, we've learned a lot. We've, we have science and all of these things that we've discovered, but how can we also help preserve this earth that we depend on like we depend on the plants and we depend on the sun we depend on these things we can't exist without them so it's very important what do you wish more people knew they are earth you are earth you know i think um you're in so intimately tied to earth and to soil and to plants and to each other one of the hardest concepts for us to grasp is we are one what does that mean? Like, it's very difficult. We are one, you know. It's impossible to grab unless you look at Earth and you look at you in the Earth. And I kind of see Earth as a garden, uh, and we are living in that garden. And just like the millions of cells in my body, they work individually, but they work together. We're also one with the Earth. We, we are, the, yes. we are, we have a function uh, we're caretakers of the earth. We're the only species that can move around and spread seeds and bring health to this planet in an incredible way. Like, if we decide to heal this planet, we will do it in leaps and bounds. But we are her. Yes. So. Yes. Oh, so beautiful. And you're right. I think what we saw with the pandemic was just really eye-opening when we weren't all flying everywhere and driving everywhere and out everywhere, how quickly some of the waters cleared up and the pollution went down. So that allowed us to see that we have more ability to help heal the earth and faster than we ever thought possible, you know, because we just hear all of these doomsday, just really grim statistics that almost just make you feel helpless, like there's nothing you can do. But from seeing that, it makes me believe that we can make an effect way faster than we ever thought we could, but it requires all of us to come together and start making those changes together. So, exactly where we're at. Thank you for, for addressing that. We don't need to go save the yes. Amazon forest. We can create one in our neighborhood. So yes. like think local yes. and then act globally for the well-being of everybody. Oh, I love it. What personal habit are you most proud of and why? I, I, I want to say that um, I don't like to take credit for whatever comes out of me. Um, these are not my words. Um, these are words that I reach in my heart for. And so I like to think that these are mother's words. These, this is me maybe saying what I see and feel in connection, you know, to being grounded to the earth. Like, I think that I don't like to take credit for what I'm saying because um, I'm allowing the energy to flow through me 
and uh, give voice to uh, what needs to be said and heard and felt and done. I would say that's my, what I love. <laughs> and that, um, oh, that's so beautiful. I, um, I don't like to act from fear. Um, I don't mm-hmm. like to act, you know, there's a couple of things that we, that we fear a lot. One is death and the other one is loss of money. Like, you know, there's fear, fear of lack and those are very um, challenging, um, and to rise above it is is uh, is takes a lot of effort to do. Mm-hmm. Yes, oh, I love that. No, I, I love how you see yourself as an instrument. Right, that inspiration is flowing through you, not from you, and I think that that's that goes back to your saying of we are all one. If we're all connected, then that's true for everybody, yes. right? Like we're all one energy, we're all connected. We are all divinely inspired in that way. And and I agree with the fear thing. I think especially now we have realized how much fear we have. I'm a pediatrician, so I'm a, I'm a doctor and I see parents in a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear and what, the problem with fear, there's definitely a right place for fear. And there's sometimes that fear can be helpful, but the problem with fear is that it can, it can block us. It can kind of stop us from being able to think clearly. It just convolutes our thoughts. And then we just end up being paralyzed. We feel like we cannot make any right choices. Mm -hmm. And so, especially when it comes to parenting, I feel that for the most part, fear can be a hindrance to helping your family, to helping your children, to make those choices, habits and behaviors for your family. So I think, I think that that's very wise of you to say that. Thank you. Well, Manju, this has been so great. I know that my audience will learn so much from you. So please tell us where we can connect with you. So right now I'm on Instagram uh, as Zero Waste Farmer. We also have a company called Brush With Bamboo. So they also have a handle on Instagram. Um, I'm also, I'm not really very happy with Instagram. Uh, I think social media is becoming a little bit too uh, controlling and obnoxious. Um, so I am looking at Clubhouse as well <laughs> right now. I am on Clubhouse, but I have not been active on Clubhouse. I'm just observing right now, but I think I'll probably start some kind of a platform over there as well. And, you know, it's it's very interesting, informative format that I'm looking at. But yeah, <laughs> right now, Instagram, Zero Waste Farmer. Yes, I I definitely have gone through the clubhouse addiction phase okay. <laughs> for sure. I really enjoy clubhouse. It's it's really fun, just different way of meeting people and connecting with others. And so I think it's been really great. So I'm sure I'll see you on there. Awesome. <laughs> I'll connect with you on there. But for now, zero waste farmer on Instagram. And tell me a little bit about your company, Brush with Bamboo. I read briefly about it, but tell me a little bit about it yourself. Well, um, I think like around 2013 or so, you know, we were very, we were watching a lot of plastic documentaries and we were really concerned about uh, the plastic that we were exposing ourselves to because, you know, the first thing that we put in our mouth 
mouth is a plastic toothbrush. And we know that there is, uh, you know, toxic chemicals that are leaching into our mouth. And so we tried to find something, an alternative, and at that point there wasn't any. And so my older son um, and one of our friends who lives in China, we got together and came up with like a bamboo toothbrush. So funny thing is... In ancient China, they used to have a bamboo toothbrush. The first, you know, aside from using mizwak and neem sticks and plants, because originally we used plants to clean our teeth and use them as natural brushes. So, uh, but you know, toothbrushes are so easy. Like it's just so easy in our world today. And so, um, yes. yeah, we came up with the alternative to the plastic toothbrush. And now we're coming up with alternatives to other plastic products. So we have a, we have a hairbrush, we have a comb, um, we have tongue cleaners. So we're just coming up with, you know, um, different types of, as the company grows, we're coming up with different kinds of products that will replace plastic products and uh, we look at making products that are without any toxic glues or varnishes uh, we really pay a lot of attention and detail uh, don't cut corners and get all the correct right testing uh, and certifications done so that we know that we can offer a really good product to everybody that they can feel safe with yes that's so amazing. I feel like the hardest room in the house to cut down on waste is the bathroom. Really? <laughs> like I feel like the kitchen's not too bad. Once you start going through the kitchen, there's so many things available, so many other ways, but there's so many products in our bathroom, you yes. know, from our toothbrushes to our toothpaste, all, you know, all the products women use for their hair and their skin, everything, plastic, 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 you yes, know? Yes. So that's one that I've been just slowly trying to change because when you realize that it's overwhelming, like, oh my gosh, look at how much plastic I have in my life. It's just so much. And then you replace it, constantly replacing and just thinking about all of it in the landfill. It's like, oh wow, that's crazy. Right, right. So thank you so much for having this company and for thinking about these things because it takes innovation. It takes time and attention to detail, just like you were saying for us to do things differently. So we can start turning the tide yes. in our, in our waste and in our health, you know? So thank you so You're much. Welcome. Thank you for asking. Well, Manju, last thing task I have for you is to leave us with one call to action. What one thing can we do this week to improve our lives? Go to your local nursery, <laughs> buy your, adopt yourself a plant baby, bring her home and learn to take care of her. Even if it's in just in a pot, just learn to take care of one plant baby. And that will be a really good start. Uh, I love that. This is one of my favorite calls to action. Go adopt a plant baby and learn to take care of her. That is so beautiful. Manju, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate all the wisdom you have given us. It's such a beautiful message. And I know that my audience is going to love this. So thank you very much. And I hope that you have a very plantastic thank day. Thank you. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share what I feel. Uh, it's very heartwarming when I can yes. share. So thank you for doing what you're doing and having this platform and sharing these messages to people so we can all uplift ourselves. So yeah, oh, thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. It's a true honor. It's a true honor as well.
Thank you so much. Hey, veggie lover. I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day.